What is happiness? That's a toughie. You just, you feel good. Contentment. A warm gun, according to the Beatles. That's a hard question. <laughs> An emotion that can easily come and go. Happiness is the smell of my kid's hair after a bath. Happiness is the feeling of contentedness. It's a choice. But if you live in the moment and accept life as it is, that you will find happiness in just about everything. Welcome to Choose Happy Podcast, the show where we talk about, investigate, and sometimes even experiment with what makes us happy. I'm Kate, the eternal optimist. I'm Sarah, the cynical realist. Let's get this started. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I am pretty sure I got a speeding ticket on the way here. What happened? I don't know. I just wasn't paying attention. I was what? listening to a podcast. What were you listening to? <laughs> I can't remember, actually. I'm so sorry. That is how much you what weren't paying called. attention. Yeah. Oh, well. I hope you didn't get a speeding ticket. Me I realized too. on the way here that my driver's license and my MasterCard, which is the only thing I pay for anything with, is in my jacket pocket sitting at home. Oh, that's so the worst. I better not get pulled over on the way home today. Well, pay attention then. Yeah, I'll do better than you. So? So, how was your week? It was pretty good did you do your homework for this week tried to so last week or last i shouldn't say last week last two weeks ago we spoke with whitney and whitney's homework for us she had four things which was a lot um write every morning make your bed do your dishes every day before you go to bed and stretch and do forward bends so sarah do you want to give me an update on how you did right okay mornings are the worst part of my day well, yeah, because you've got to get up early. You have a long commute to work, and you've got a little kid yep. who's probably consuming your morning, right? Yes. Okay, so... so And I've re- I have read about, like, taking time for yourself in the morning. Um, and I, I le- would like to say that I try. I have tried, but I haven't even tried. I just get too overwhelmed. Uh, so I immediately wrote off the writing in the morning, although I did commit to doing it on the weekend, and then I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, so I'm a terrible <laughs> homework person. Um, but I, we usually do our dishes every day. Um, and that, I do get that. Like it, if I come home and the kitchen's dirty or something, it just makes me ugh, in a bad mood. And it's I, irritating, right? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. do notice being happy, like to come home and everything's clean. So, and then the making the bed thing, we did, which I like. I've always been a make your bed person that was like a job that I always had as a kid I always had to make my bed um and then when I uh started dating Vince he used to make fun of me all the time that like if he hadn't made the bed and he'd gotten into it I would like make it around him before I get into bed because I just hate like getting in a crumpled bed but we have been bad about making our bed for the last few years <laughs> is there any correlation between that and having a kid though yeah oh yeah. probably like we get up at different times and I he usually gets up first and then I'm just rushing but it only takes two minutes really however our bed is on the floor right now because we bought that king-size mattress but we don't right. have a bed for it so making the bed is really just like pulling everything up because it doesn't really look nice because <laughs> it's still on the floor so everything's kind of spread out on the floor right um but yeah i i like the making your bed and cleaning or doing the dishes every day and when i am older and hopefully not working i will write in the mornings 
I probably, it probably takes two seconds to stretch. I, I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, what do you, what do other parents of young kids do in the morning? Like, is that just something that you give up your mornings until your kid is like eight and self-sufficient or are there parents who have that figured out? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I don't talk to other parents that much about <laughs> stuff. Okay. About parenting stuff, except for to complain about parenting. But that's a good question. I'll find, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious about that because I, I mean, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to that, but I would imagine that until your child is self-sufficient enough to make herself breakfast in the morning and get herself out of bed and get her own teeth brushed and all of that, that your mornings are going to be dedicated to her. So having a morning ritual is probably really difficult right now. Yeah. Well, I think the ritual word works like you have to have a routine of what you do because even having a routine it's still rushed and a bit Mm -hmm. crazy and I yeah okay I could get up earlier but I'm not a morning person anymore to getting up at 20 after 5 so yeah I don't know starting out the day positive I think is really good but it's not that's not always possible (laughs) yeah that's totally fair how did you do with this homework um better than I thought I would but I also have the luxury of a job that I don't start until two in the afternoon Mm -hmm. So I, which is a big change for me. I used to be the get up at 20 after five or get up at five and walk the dogs and then get out the door for work. Mm -hmm. Um, So now in the morning I get up and I have been writing in the morning. And if I haven't been writing, I've at least been sitting down with a cup of coffee and planning out my day and planning out my to-do list. So I feel pretty organized. I write journal when I've got stuff to deal with, but there were a couple days where I just, like, life was on a pretty neutral, even footing. There weren't a lot of issues. There wasn't anything to explore. So I went to go write, and I I actually think I have a line in my journal that's like, I don't even know why I'm writing this right now just because I have homework and I want to pretend I'm a good student or something like that (laughs) because there just wasn't anything. So there are some days where it was literally, like, Sunday, March 19th, grateful for my dogs and the great bets that saw them. And that's all I wrote down because I, yeah. So mm-hmm. so the writing was okay. Um, the dishes every day, my husband and I both got on board with. We had gotten kind of bad about that because I get home around 9.30. Mm-hmm. Then we eat dinner and then we go straight to bed and I'm way too tired then to do the dishes. But he's been really good about helping me with that. And I'm, I love coming downstairs in the morning to a clean kitchen. It makes yeah. a big difference. Um, stretch, I don't do that in the morning, but it's part of my daily training routine Mm-hmm. And so that is going pretty well. And then making the bed is such a contentious issue at home. Um, I was I was the make your bed every morning kind of kid, and I'm really big on having a made bed. And I love walking past the bedroom, and the bedroom looks like an oasis. And it's beautiful, and I just want to crawl into bed. But also I get up like an hour earlier than my husband, mm. and he is not a make your bed kind of person. He's in more of the school of why would I trap all of the – all, all of the skin things yeah, underneath. Yeah, why would I trap all of that underneath and suffocate suffocate them and make them grow or whatever? Like he's he's got some logic around it that kind mm-hmm. of makes sense to me. So that's kind of going. Either way, having a slow morning ritual has been really helpful for me and doing the dishes every day has been really helpful for me. Good. Has, it, has it made me happier? I don't know. It's definitely contributed to my overall sense of well-being. Okay. So I don't know. Um, last time we talked, you and Vince were going through a book of dares. Yes. How's that going? Are you still doing that? We are. We haven't done it for the last few days, but I don't know. I 
we need to keep going because the last few times we did it, I don't know if we're getting that much out of it except for just affirmation that we do a lot of those things already. Like we already do nice things for each other. And we, a lot of it is, it sounds like it's written for people that fight a lot and Mm. are really selfish. And I mean, like I'm kind of selfish, but Vince really isn't. Um, So a lot of the dares have been things like if you go have a fight today, make a conscious effort to go your spouse's way on this one and tell them, okay, I'm going to take you, go your way on this. But we, it took like three days to, to find something. And even then it was just a joke. I can't, it was like, I don't know what you wanted for dinner or something. Okay. I mean, and we're joking around. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go your way on this. Right, this right, one. right, right, right. But, um, yeah, so it's still interesting. I mean, it gives you some like something common to talk about and you're again, I think it's just you're thinking about each other more and being more directly involved in the development of your relationship instead of like a passive bystander in it, which is easy to do when you're so busy and wow, have a little kid. So, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I'm happy for you guys. That's cool. Yeah. I look forward to hearing about some of the cooler dares. I feel like there should be um, a sexy time version of this. There probably is. Yeah. If if anybody has any information, let us know and we'll get Sarah and Vince to try that one out and report back. <laughs> Just kidding. She got awkward. Well, I am really interested and skeptical to hear about you getting your stars read. Yeah. So okay. Tell me about that. Okay. So um, last time we recorded, I was going to get my stars read by a new coworker and friend of mine. I went over to her place and we talked for like two and a half hours and she had this whole star chart and this whole um, software program that told her a bunch of things about me down to very specific dates and the whole thing was spookily accurate. Hmm. And I mean, I didn't do a super scientific study of this. I wasn't, there was no control group, but I do know that this woman doesn't know me all that well. We're just beginning to have a relationship. Um, where we're talking to one another and and we're starting to become friends but she pinpointed a lot of things like she looked at I I can't speak intelligently about how this actually works but looking at where the planets were in specific houses at specific times or something she was able to read that I am most fulfilled when I when I am spiritually contributing to the world and that I am most spiritually fulfilled when I am learning new things Hmm. and that I'm someone who enjoys variety and that I enjoy the freedom to learn new things which is completely true like I am not against giving up my day job to go do something that's fulfilling me and that I'm learning and then as soon as I'm done learning that thing there's not there will be nothing stopping me from quitting that and going and doing something else Hmm. um so she said that I like independence, which is true. She talked a lot about uh, I'm Sagittarius and sort of hedonic and, and very like out there and very uh, spiritual minded. And my number one goal in life has to do with growing as a spiritual being. And she pegged me for that right away. And that's something that I don't give to a lot of people. I give very practical, very like let's get shit done Mm -hmm. um and she said yes that's the that's the person that you show to the world because you've learned that that's the best way to be in the world for you but underneath all of that you're very spiritual and then she went into um the biggest traumas in my life she talked about the wounded healer and how everybody has a wounded healer inside of them and that wounded healer is wounded through 
some sort of experience in your life that usually has to do with your growth patterns and then you spend the rest of your life trying to heal that. And so for some people, this happens as a kid in school, they get a bad grade and for some reason on that day, it really wounds them and it teaches them that that they're not good enough or that they can't achieve what they want to achieve or something like that. So it, yeah, it teaches them that they can't achieve what they want to achieve or something. So she said that most people, that wounded healer, that trauma happens before they're seven. Hmm. But she said, for me, it happened when I was like 21, 22. According to your stars? According to my stars. And that's interesting because that's when my mom died. Hmm. And like a lot of the discussion from there had to do with trauma surrounding, or maybe not trauma, I don't consider it trauma now, but events surrounding the loss of my mom mm-hmm. and a lot of the experiences that I had with my mom as a kid. And she said that all of the growing that I do in life sort of comes back to that. And that's true. I ascribe the fact that I'm happy to the process of losing my mom and learning to be learning to be okay from that and during that because that was a long process and I learned a lot about loss and I learned a lot about sickness and sort of being in that. Anyhow, it was, it was really interesting. Um... And I don't think there was anything that she said where I went, eh, I don't know. How can stars predict when you're going to experience a big trauma like that in your lifetime? I don't That's know. That's my question. There was so much math involved. I don't understand. However, let's see if we can get her on the show in a little while because she'd be interested okay. and see if she can explain that yeah. to us. Because like, there's so many factors that are that depend on each other for that to happen. So is the fact, like, are other, do, does your brother have the same... You do know what I mean? Like there's... It could just be that, like my brother and I experienced a similar loss, absolutely. But his learning from that loss is different than my learning from that loss. So he could have experienced a trauma before that and something that was different. It was probably me because I'm the older sister and I probably screwed him up big time. So (laughs) honestly, it was probably me. Um, So I don't don't know. That would be interesting though. I'll ask her about that. Yeah. Um, She also talked about how she had a term for it, but when you're around your 30s, between 27 and 30, and I've heard this before, um, that's when a lot of the really big changes happen in your life. So you have big changes as you're hitting puberty, and then you have big changes again as you are leaving the nest, and then this is like the next phase of big change. Mm. Um, And that's certainly true, certainly true for me, approaching 30, quitting my job, starting a new job, starting new creative things. Right. Um, sort of like realigning myself. I don't know. Did you go through something like that two years ago? For what? Like as you're approaching your 30s. I'm okay. That's why I was confused because that's more than two years ago. Oh, I don't actually know how old you are. I'm sorry. I just assume that you're young. I'm so bad at dates. I know like I, I did look into doing something completely different maybe six years ago, which I would have been like 28 then. That's about normal, she said. But then I I didn't. I don't know. I'm not a risk taker, really. <laughs> Part of that, though, what she was saying is that it might be that you do something completely different or that you actually solidly commit to something that you're already doing. Okay. So it's like a regenerative, refreshed commitment. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How old were you when you had your kid? 29 that might be it I don't I don't know yeah maybe I I really do not know enough about this she was still spouting words I don't know what they meant like Chiron I don't even know if that's a planet or a star or an asteroid or something in a house I don't understand (laughs) if somebody has like 
the astrology 101 video that they want to send preferably the thug notes version please let us know because i i don't get it either way i got my stars read it was really cool it was a great bonding experience with this woman cool and it was a gift for her to spend a couple hours just talking to me so i mean that definitely made me happy good i don't know if it's impacted me greatly but it was cool um so i got my stars read you got a gift well a gift from vince okay which means oh i don't know um yeah vince brought me we recently discovered this great hand cream like my hands are so dry and nothing nothing ever helps and i can't remember it's like o'keefe's hand cream it's like for working men or something (laughs) (laughs) so okay so the other day vince brought home very proudly a gift for me it was this o'keefe's foot cream for diabetic skin or something and uh i think what (laughs) and you're not diabetic i'm not diabetic well it just says it's great for diabetic skin but still um it just added to the humor it just added to the humor of it all and um i don't know was it maybe it was part of our dare thing or we were talking about giving gifts oh that's what it was I, he, I was saying that I li- had liked something. I can't remember what it was. And I said, Mother's Day is coming up soon. And he said, I've already bought you a gift two days ago. And it's this foot cream. The Oh, my God. Is that cream. his Mother's Day gift to Probably. You? Vince, get it together, man. <laughs> I love you guys so much. But seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. So y- do you guys talk about love languages at home? We have, yeah. I found that book a few years ago. We have talked about it. And your love languages, your biggest love language is gift giving, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I know that because you frequently bring me stuff and it's really nice of you. Mm -hmm. My lowest love language is gift giving and Mm -hmm. I feel kind of bad about that because I don't ever think to bring you stuff. That's fine. My second one is acts of service and you do most of the work for this. (laughs) So that's great. Okay. Um, Is Vince a a natural gift giver? No, no, no. no. I think that's probably his lowest one. His, His are the opposites of mine. I can't remember exactly what they are. There's like, oh no there's time like spending time, time together quality time physical He's affection a, yeah those are his two okay and i'm not those two i'm the other two. Oh wait there's five there's five there? so i think it's i think it's quality time mm-hmm. oh okay quality time physical affection gift giving acts, acts of, of service, service and then words. words words of affirmation words of affirmation that's right yeah so we're completely opposite he does know that I'm a gift person. I don't know. And that makes me feel superficial. But it's not It's not just about receiving things. It's like I really get enjoyment out of finding the perfect gift for somebody for Christmas or their birthday mm-hmm. or just random whatever kindness, which is unlike me. But no, it's not. Um, but yeah, no, he's not like that at all. And then it's so silly because that, you know, makes sometimes I'm like, oh, you you don't love me enough if you're you you got me foot cream for my birthday it wasn't my birthday but do you know what I mean yeah um and because it's a gift thing that sort of feels superficial I don't know though because when you you nail it like you get me the perfect gifts even if it's not an occasion and it makes me go oh my gosh Sarah was like at home on Etsy thinking of me and that feels really special Mm -hmm. and I for me the gift is like a just a representation of that and a representation of 
the fact that we think each other, think about each other when we're not around, which sounds weird, but it's <laughs> true. Well, I guess Vince was thinking that I have dry feet, so I guess he was, <laughs> he was thinking about me. <laughs> That's nice. I, maybe maybe there's a benefit to you guys being opposite, though. Maybe not so much for each other, but for your kid. Because that yeah. means that she's going to grow up with all kinds of different representation of love. Yeah, that's true. Good. Way to see the positive out of this situation. <laughs> that's so unlike me. Yeah. Um, okay. I Before we get started in our episode today, in our interview today, I wanted to talk a little bit about social media. And I want to hear from you, Sarah, and I want to hear from our listeners. Um, I am thinking about this a lot because I got choose happy podcast an instagram account a twitter account an email address i made our website and i loved doing all of that but then as soon as it came to actually interacting with people online i got so tired social media in general makes me so tired and it's weird because i just went through in my personal social media life a huge purge i actually got rid of my instagram account or tried to Um, I purged most of the people that I have on Facebook. If they're not somebody that I'm interacting with on a daily basis or a member of my husband's family, they are gone. So I, I just hate social media in general, but I feel like we have to have a good social media presence to be a successful podcast and to be successful contributors on the internet. Hmm. So I've been trying to find a way to have authentic conversations with people. And I'm finding that over Twitter, especially I'm really loving some podcasts and I'm having some good conversations with people on pod, like other podcasters. But in general, the Twitter feed is just full of negative stuff. So how do we be happy when we have this inundation of other people's opinions and what other people think is relevant and what other people think is important? How do I separate myself from that and like shut it down at the end of the day and be okay? Hmm. I don't know. I saw an ad probably on Facebook for um, an app called Break Free. I don't know a lot about it, but it's an app that helps you to manage your social media use. Okay. Like as an addiction. So maybe we should look into that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I don't know. Like you, I think pe- people don't realize like how, well, I think maybe they do realize, but people are on their social media or not even social media, just on their phone all the time. Like I know Vince and I, sometimes if we're like watching Jeopardy because we're so cool, um, like one of us might go onto our phone and we're like Googling something or looking at Facebook or something. And then the other one always gets annoyed by it, but we both do it, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. I can see it becoming an issue where it's constant connection mm-hmm. right now I'm not having a hard time just putting it down but it's while I'm there there is so much stuff that everybody in the world thinks is relevant mm-hmm. but I don't think is relevant but then I think I should think that it's relevant because it's on my Twitter feed hmm. or because there's just so much of it or because everybody is posting about something and criticizing it or there's this one guy that we follow on our Twitter account who happens to be very very much against Uh, the Canadian government and against Justin Trudeau and I don't really have an opinion either way Mm -hmm. but every time he posts something negative I go through this rabbit hole of well what are other people replying like what do other people think about this yeah yeah you I think I don't know I I have that problem with my my kids school Facebook page like I I just get so mad, like, I see people posting things about, like, what the teachers are or aren't doing. And as a Whoa. teacher myself, like, I know, I don't know, I just, 
maybe understand logistically why teachers can't be standing outside 15 minutes after the bell rings because they're teaching and then I get I go and I but I click on it and I like read everybody's replies and then I get more angry and more angry and I and I've said to Vince quite a few times I need to delete myself from this group and he's like well just do it and I'm like yeah but what if I miss something important and I think that's part of it we just don't want to be left out or miss something but I think you just need to delete it or not like just you have to not look and I know that's easier said than done because I do it all the time (laughs) and I, I think I yeah and there's so much wisdom in that and I think personally I am getting more able to do that but if we're trying to promote our podcast and we really want this message of choosing happiness to be out there in the world, mm-hmm. we need to be participating. So maybe my question is more, how can we positively participate in social media and walk away only minimally affected by that experience? I don't know. If anybody has any ideas, please let us know because I don't. I don't know. Google it. <laughs> Check Facebook. Oh, my God. Okay. Well... All right. Um, Cool. Well, on the note of social media, in case you don't know, um, (laughs) you can also find us on Twitter at ChooseHappyPod, where uh, we spend a lot of time tweeting other podcasters, talking about what we like in the world. And then you can send us an email at ChooseHappyPodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your guys' opinions on health, on happiness, on your happiness strategies, and if you have any homework for us and or opportunities. And unhappiness. I'm interested to hear about that because there's a lot of unhappiness. And I think to understand happiness, sometimes you need to hear about unhappiness. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Great. Well, on that note, let's talk to somebody who's kind of walking the middle path. Um, this is my buddy Elijah. He is a martial artist here in Calgary. He is a loss prevention officer. He is polyamorous. He's and very wise. He's very wise. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very wise. Um, just a quick content warning. He does talk about some body modifications that he has. If you've got young kids in the car, I don't know why you're still listening to this with them. (laughs) But um, maybe just give this one a listen on headphones on your own. Maybe not, you know, at your work desk for the whole office to hear. (laughs) All right. So without further ado, please welcome Elijah. All right, hello. We are here with Elijah. Hey, Elijah, how you doing? Quite well, thank you. Good, I'm glad. And it's it's Elijah, not Eli. That's correct. Okay, I know people who call you Eli, and it makes me twitch. Everybody, every time. everybody does it. It's fine. We're gonna call you Elijah. Um, Elijah, welcome to Choose Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. it sounded yeah. exciting. Yeah, we're pretty happy about that. Um, let's start with an, with a softball question here. Mm-hmm. Give us the elevator pitch. So if you were going to make a dating profile or something, or like a, an Elijah profile, what would it say? Well, how about I just pull mine out and tell you exactly what it says? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually doing it. I'm pretty thrilled about this. Is this Tinder? It's a really, like, it's the easiest one. I've got probably three dating profiles, but this is the good one. If it works... It's loading very slowly. It doesn't like me today. All right. Well. (laughs) It's okay. Take your time. Since it's not working, I'll try and remember it. All right. Uh, If I was to make an elevator pitch for it. Honestly, for me, when it comes to trying to find somebody that I'd want to be in a relationship with, whether that be friendly, sexual, or romantic with plans for the future, uh, typically the first thing I try to look for is intellectualism in the person that I spend my time with. 
So probably I would give a little bit of information about myself, my interests, and my hobbies, and try to not come off as a guy that just wants to get something out of someone. Because, like, preferably, I really do just enjoy meeting people with, like, different interests, people with pursuits in life, different passions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's how I would probably try to elevator pitch myself as also being an interesting person that's looking for other interesting people. So, give us that pitch. (sighs) Hello, my name's Elijah Harding. I'm really into body modification, martial arts, especially martial arts, and cooking. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's. That's let's a good combination. T- I like it a lot. Let's yeah. talk about those in order. Body modification. What do you have done currently? How yeah. many piercings do you have? On. So like, uh, how how adult can we get here? This is rated E for explicit. Oh, okay. So like swearing is fine too. Yes. Otherwise, okay. we would I not. I probably survive. I probably won't swear. But back to it. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right. So the number of piercings that I have is. Uh, I believe 16 at the moment. I have uh, six in my ear on the one side, two on the other ear, four on the lips, two on the tongue, two eyebrows, as well as a uh, cock piercing, like right on top, like top of the rod. <laughs> you ever met somebody with a with a cock piercing before, Sarah? I don't know. That's not you. I don't usually look for that. <laughs> what? That's not on your bingo sheet? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have so many questions, but this is not the right podcast for that, so I'll ask you off air. Okay. Um, has it actually? No. Okay. Here's the question: Has that <clears throat> contributed to your happiness? You know what? And or the happiness of others? Yes. <laughs> there we go. There's the golden equation right there. Right there. All right. Cool. So body modification. How did you get into body mod? Um. I think it really kind of came down to the ability to individually choose how you represent yourself Mm -hmm. and uh, how you interact with the world around you. I've had a lot of people, usually when they look at piercings and tattoos, they're actually like kind of terrified of them. But for me personally, it just kind of was your sort of way to stand out and be yourself. Right. I didn't get the piercings to look differently. I got the piercings because it made me feel more comfortable with who I was. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what got me started with the body modification. And it started with like dyed hair and then eventually piercings, and then tattoos as well. And for tattoos, I have two on the chest and basically the full back done from my neck down to my butt. Yeah, I've seen part of that one. That one's pretty wicked. Mm-hmm. It's mm. a big tattoo. <laughs> Sounds painful. It was horribly painful. <laughs> I have like 30 hours just on the back piece, and it probably still needs a little bit of work. But it's more or less done. Wow. Mm-hmm. Horribly painful, but worth it? Oh, 100%. I mean... <laughs> Everything's going to hurt in life. Just make sure you find something that's worth the pain, I guess. Okay, so I love this because (laughs) this is one of my mottos, which I think is what draws me to martial arts so much is Mm. I'm in pain all the time, but it's worth (laughs) it because it's so fun. You practice a much harder style of martial arts than I do, though. Yeah. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, Let's start off with I have a very interesting relationship with pain. Okay. Uh, I also have a scarification on my left arm. It's the kanji for itai in Japanese, which just means pain. Ah. Specifically, I had that like branded into my arm with like chemicals when I was 13, I think, with my first job. Yeah, the first job I ever had, I had it uh, chemically burned into my arm. And then over the years, I had to cut it back in myself. And I mean, like, it sounds really weird, and it totally is. Promise it's not for emo reasons. But, like, it was kind of a message to myself (laughs) to get over the pain, to get over the fear of pain in life. 
Because, like, at any point, I was always worried about holding myself back. Because when I was younger, I found myself constantly refusing to do things out of a fear for something that might happen while I do it. Right. So, for me, I started with that brand as a kind of way to remind myself that the worst thing that I have to fear is pain. But, like, I'm really good at dealing with pain. So, really, there's no actual reason to hold myself back in life. I should always just pursue things with the utmost intent to get them done and to, like, do what I like. Does that apply for you <coughs> both emotionally and physically, or are you better at coping with one kind of pain than the other? I'd say I'm really good at dealing with like physical pain as compared to emotional pain, just because I don't typically feel emotional pain. And the few times I have, I gotta say, it hurts a lot worse than getting hit with a baseball bat. <laughs> and how do you how do you know what it's like to be hit with a baseball bat? Because I have okay, so back to the martial arts yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. Okay, so like interesting relationship with pain uh when i first started doing martial arts right before i'd started i was punching brick walls to try and condition my knuckles to get them stronger because mm -hmm. like if you make your knuckles strong and they don't break when you punch somebody that's good sure it's like i knew people that got into fights and then broke their hands and that seemed really silly to me but then also like as a kid watching like jackie chan movies you always seem like punch somebody and then shake his hand like oh so painful and i didn't want to be that guy so, so you wanted to be cooler than jackie chan <sighs> Can you really be cooler than Jackie Chan, though? <laughs> you can't. That's why I ask. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so back to getting hit with a baseball bat, because I'm curious as to why somebody would put themselves through that. Uh, you kind of build up to it slowly over the years okay. until you get used to it. And, like, I haven't had somebody fully swing a baseball bat at me as hard as they can trying to, like, knock me out or kill me. Like, not in the head. I've had some people swing uh, baseball bats at, like, my arms. I had a couple... I myself swing them at my, like, my shins to mm -hmm. try and condition them and get them stronger. So it's just kind of like a test to make sure that the bones are strong and to like help condition them to get them stronger to make sure they don't get hurt. But you do it very slowly over time. So it sucks, but it's not nearly as bad as how, it sounds. How does that make your bones tougher? Is it like nerve damage or is it actually building something on there? Since to... I'm a medical student, yeah, let's I talk about no idea. Wolf's Law. Uh, specifically, it was a thing discovered by the guy who was like Dr. Wolf. Anyways, he found that when bones are broken, they regrow themselves uh, both denser and mm. <clears throat> thicker than what they previously were. So what you're trying to do with this sort of style of conditioning that I do for the most part in martial arts is create micro fractures in the bones, very small breaks, smaller than hairline fractures. And you try to continuously do that over time so that the bones have time to heal throughout those microfractures okay. and then build up more microfractures, heal, microfractures, heal. And the bone continuously gets stronger and thicker. You'll even notice that with hmm. like professional athletes, they'll have bigger bones because yeah. the bones need to be able to withstand the force the muscles are putting on them. Interesting. And isn't that sort of the same concept as even just going to the gym and doing bicep curls is when you do a bicep curl, you are tearing you've got micro tears yeah. in the mm -hmm. muscle and the then muscle. the muscle grows back yeah and the bones work almost the exact same way but are actually a little bit slower because uh sometimes with bodybuilders that like to use the uh, steroids mm -hmm. the muscles actually get stronger than the bones do and they'll start to get like fractures in the bone or oh. the bones and like the joints will be too weak to deal with the stress the muscles are putting on them whoa crazy <laughs> yeah I mean, you won't typically see bone breaks in too many people that use steroids, but like definitely joint problems you'll notice because mm -hmm. the bones just can't keep up with the muscle. 
so I should stop going to the gym <coughs> so I don't put strain on my joints. This no, no, no. Go, go to the gym. Just don't do steroids and then do ridiculously right. huge weights. What you got to do things slowly over time. Okay. Make sure you don't break your body completely. <laughs> what Sarah's hearing is... Well, you heard that and I heard it's okay to beat people because you're actually helping them in the long run. Well, yeah? You know what? Sometimes that's kidding. true though. Because <laughs> like in martial arts, you really... You need to have somebody come at you full force with a punch before you learn how to deal with it. Yeah. Like at some point you that's need true. to have somebody come at you violently. Because if you don't know what it's like the first time it hits you, it's, it's going to be a bad day. You need yeah. to prepare for it. Hmm. So... Couldn't you then apply this to emotional pain? Totally, but how does one emotionally prepare themselves? I mean, I know a couple of different ways that, like, Buddhism talks about it, but, like... Such as? So in Buddhism, there's, like, the Four Noble Truths. One of those Noble Truths is that life is suffering and that there's a cessation to suffering. And really just what you're trying to do is lead a life that leads you away from suffering which is to understand what the causes are and how to avoid them, which is typically just to avoid attachments to things. Mm -hmm. But like, you kind of need to live life with attachments because I don't really want to go live up on the mountain as a monk quite yet at this point in my life. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you need to figure out some way that you'd be able to build up your tolerance. And I suppose in some ways I've definitely done that. Things like the piercings and the tattoos again, have really set me up to deal with the way that people see me negatively mm -hmm. or the way that I'm younger than most of the people that I know and for the things that I try and do in life. I've definitely had a lot of people uh, discriminate against me for my age and my appearance, which has emotionally set me up to deal with it a lot better than most other people for the first times when sure. it happens to them in life. For sure. But at the same point, it's, it's a lot easier to take something physically and do it than it is to take something emotionally and do it. You really have to understand yourself better to be able to do it emotionally. And then you need to figure out the process from like start to finish to get stronger. And like, it's a little trickier. Absolutely it is, but it's not impossible. Sarah, you show your students a video about this, don't you? Oh, that's cool. The rejection one. Oh, right. That rejection therapy. Can you, can right. you talk about yeah. that a little bit? So rejection therapy is trying to, like you go out every day and try to be rejected. So you go and ask a stranger, can I please borrow $100 or go to Starbucks and ask for a discount? Because that's not happening. Um, <laughs> but you're pursuing the rejection so that you get that association of happiness when you receive it. So that it's not, I guess the same thing. Sounds weirdly masochistic. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th I thought you might connect with that just a little bit. Well, it kind of connects with that same thing I was talking about earlier with, like, the scar on my arm. Mm -hmm. Doing things in life without the fear of the pain that comes with it. Because, like, there's the emotional and the physical pain. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you can just accept that and then move on and do it anyway, you probably wind up better than if you tried not to. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Um, let's take a step back. So we've heard the elevator pitch. Okay. We've heard a lot of your philosophies around pain. Oh, no, it's already... <laughs> why you hurt yourself. Um, I swear, it doesn't hurt that much. It's, you anymore, get used to it. <laughs> anymore. You do get used to it. I don't know. I'm currently working on shin tempering, and it's like the worst form of torture. <laughs> None of my tattoos hurt as much as shin tempering hurts. I was training with a, guy, a couple of different people. Uh, I just joined a Sanda class, and they like they actually train pretty good. Like, very physical program. They focus on competition. Mm-hmm. 
but I was like talking to one of the other students about shin conditioning and I'm like yeah so like you can hit your shins together like this or like this and we hit him once and he immediately jumped away <laughs> and started to be like that's okay never again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Even with my friend Alex uh, Alex Kruger, he does Bagua. He used to do Taekwondo and Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Very kind of physical martial artist and then moved more to the internal side. But like I, I was expecting him to have some pretty good conditioning. But like we banged shins together like three or four times and he was doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. rubbing the shin and he's done. Because it sucks. It sure does. I like developing the mental side of it though because I can go whole shit this sucks so much but Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep going and every time it sucks i'm gonna go like six or seven more times and then it eventually goes numb which i think is why i like the tattoos too because it's taking you through that emotional journey of pain as well as the physical journey of pain and and it's interesting to see where the mind goes you know usually it's just the beginning that really sucks because the endorphins haven't kicked in yet because like your body has a natural set of its own painkillers right like if you can get through that first initial like that's why paper cuts hurt so much Cause it's that first initial ah <laughs> but then as soon as the paper cut like five seconds yeah. later it doesn't hurt as much i think there's something the wrong pain with dulls me itself uh, that's not how it works with me no no hour one so i just i just had a, a four hour sit on my leg piece <coughs> hour one was fantastic barely mm-hmm. felt a thing yeah hour two i'm starting to sweat i'm a little yeah. bit antsy it sucks it pinches i'm still waiting on the endorphins hour three i took a break every 10 minutes i was Begging no, no. her to stop. See, that's because the endorphins were there for the first hour. Mm. So, like, when they first put the needle on it, and then you get oh, used I to it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Endorphins are there. And then by, like, two-hour mark, your endorphins uh, start to wear off. You're done, for sure. I'm trying to convince Sarah to get a tattoo. Should be of a podcast microphone. That's cool. Right on her butt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Speak into the microphone. No, you're... <laughs> 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 that took me a second. That was a that was a good joke, Elisha. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like try. It. Um I just wanna I just wanna have on air this is Sarah's verbal contract that she will get a tattoo with me one day. They're pretty fun. I'm not contracting that yet. Signing that contract. Not yet. Soon. I'm too indecisive. I will hate it. Like a week later I'll be like, fuck, I don't like this. It's a lesson in lifelong commitment though. <laughs> no, I don't. I have a kid. That's a that's good enough. Okay, fair enough. That's enough torture of lifetime. <laughs> Elijah, are you gonna have kids? Do you want kids? You know, I've debated that question quite a few times. Cause like, especially nowadays, I'm polyamorous, which should probably have been part of the elevator pitch, cause it is on like every dating profile I have. Sure. So like, being polyamorous, I have multiple partners at a time, usually mm-hmm. romantically and or sexually. So, like, kids is a very hot topic for me trying to figure out still, but I probably will at some point, but, like, probably through adoption. And if not, just have, like, a kids' martial arts class and call that good enough. Okay, there's so many things yeah. there that I want to talk about. <laughs> let's, let's start at the beginning of this. Okay, polyamorous. Yes. Can you explain to us, just because everyone I've met who is polyamorous has a different understanding of what that means. Well, yeah. What does that mean? Okay, well, the reason why you're going to get a different understanding from every single person is because it's a very individual journey Mm -hmm. for what polyamory means to different people. I mean, sometimes it's just the ability to have an open relationship sexually. So, like, you'll have your one life partner, but you can still screw around with other people when you want to. Sometimes it's uh, people that are, like, complete relationship anarchists and, like, they really love people and, like, they want to be with a lot of different people, but they don't want to settle down and commit to one person. They just want to be everywhere. 
So for me personally, I just find that I can like more than one person at a time. So even sometimes if I only have one person I like right now, at some point I might like two. And I just like having the availability, both emotionally and physically, to open up to more than one person at a time. So like right now I have a girlfriend, but like I also uh, have a relationship with my roommate. And then also a friend of mine. I can't use names, so it makes it harder. But I'd say I probably have like three people I'm pursuing romantically right now. Okay. Well, two romantically and like one physically. And are they all on board with this? 100%. 100%. The most important part about polyamory across the board, no matter what you think about it, mm-hmm. is open consent and mm-hmm. full knowledge of everybody concerned. Got it. So like everybody needs to know everything that's going on and everybody has to be okay with it. Is there an expectation that they meet each other? Uh, I guess that's kind of more on the individual side too. I mean, I know that I personally would want to meet the person that makes the people I like happy. Right. Just because like, why not? It's like meeting your friends, other friends. Right. And like whether you connect or not isn't super important, but like just to know who they are and to know a little bit more about them is kind of cool. And then you've got that context. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So this to me sounds like it could make a person very happy because... Like something my mom always said to me is no one person can be everything to you. So Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. But it also sounds like it could lead to a lot of complications and unhappiness. You know, what? it really can, but so can monogamy. It really kind of comes down to your ability to connect with your partners and how to Mm -hmm. like make sure the relationship works. Because like there's just as many problems with monogamy as there would be in polyamory. Mm -hmm. You just add one more person to the equation. Mm-hmm. And, like, there can be friendships between five or two people. And, like, two people that are friends can be a way worse relationship than five people that are a group of friends. Right. It, it really kind of depends on, like, how good you are at making sure that everybody's voices get heard and everybody's opinions and feelings are understood. So how do you learn hmm. that skill? You develop it over time. So <laughs> you make true. a lot of mistakes. Right, I was going to say. <laughs> <clears throat> have you been monogamous or have is yeah, polyamory just I something was, that you've uh, always experienced? I was probably monogamous right up until the point I was about 19 or 20. Okay. And then that's when I really kind of started to make the the movement towards being polyamorous because I realized within myself that through all these years, the reason why my relationships weren't working is because I would try and cut off and ignore a huge section of my feelings because as soon as right. I was with one person, then I'd have to forget about all these other people. I didn't like that too much. Mm. And then the whole like side of jealousy. Jealousy is the one thing, like one emotion that I just cannot stand really. And a lot of people see it as like a moral imperative for dictating everything that you do. But I don't think it's really, it's an emotion and it has a reason that it's there, but there's like underlying facts. So like you're jealous. Okay, uh, for an example, I am jealous that my girlfriend is off on a date with another girl right now. I'm not actually angry at the fact that she's seeing other people. I'm mad at the fact that she hasn't spent enough time with me. Right. So I should just communicate with her like, hey, do you want to like go on a date Saturday? I haven't seen you in a little bit. And Mm. luckily that isn't a problem for us because we keep going on dates like all the time. I'm trying really hard this weekend to like not see her too much so I can study. It's very hard. (laughs) And so you're here instead. Yeah, well, this seemed fun. (laughs) No, we appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I was going to ask, is there is there a community of like-minded people in Calgary that you found? Totally. Yeah. Uh, there is for everything everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I would, depending on what sites you look on. So like if you looked at FetLife, they totally have like the polyamorous group. Is this, is this a website? website? 
Okay, so we don't know about FetLife. No. Going to open a whole door up for yeah, you guys. Please. Okay, so FetLife is a website that is basically just for people into different, you know, BDSM and other sure. such fetishes to okay. like connect, get together, understand more, post videos, pictures, wink, wink, those kind. <laughs> but like to have a community of people that are like-minded that they can learn from and share with. Yeah. But like on FetLife, there's also a couple of like polyamory groups. And from there, those are, like, the most successful besides, like, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Facebook also has a bunch of polyamorous groups, which is pretty cool. Oh, neat. Yeah. I just, what, in the last, like, one or two years I found those. But it was really cool to understand that there was, like, actually a community for Mm -hmm. it. And that definitely helped open me up to, like, learning more and understanding more and really pursuing it properly. Not just being like, I'm polyamorous, so I'm going to be with a bunch of people. (laughs) But, like, actually learning what that entails and how to make sure it works successfully. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that website was FetLife. And you can definitely find polyamorous groups on Facebook. There's a whole bunch. In your local area, might be a little harder. Calgary, there's totally a Calgary one. Guarantee it. In the past couple of years, I've met a handful (coughs) of people who are part of that community. And I've always found it very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's like a part of me that splits in half and in in an alternate universe, a part mm-hmm. of me embraces that life completely. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm really happy with monogamy, but hey, man, whatever works for you. Still really. trying to figure out all of the nuances to that <laughs> because right? there's a lot. It's not easy. No. Being happy is not easy. That's exactly it. What I like though is you were talking about how, um, if we rewind, you were talking about how you're jealous that your girlfriend is going on a date with another girl. And then knowing yourself well enough to know that you are not angry about that. Mm-hmm. You are upset that you haven't that you two haven't spent a whole lot of time together. And I think that speaks to the importance of knowing yourself and of introspection. Yeah. Are you an introspective kind of person? Extremely introspective. But, like, I also don't feel jealousy too often. But the one time I was, like, just a little bit jealous is my girlfriend got sent these naked photos from a girl that we're both pursuing first and i was like what i didn't get any of these i am no stay away you you two can go do your own thing and then i look at my phone and she sent me the exact same photos it's like well never mind it was a joke to be jealous about it and i was poking fun at it but at the same time i was like man (laughs) a little competitive Nah, not too much i was just i wanted to see them too (laughs) okay fair um, okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's back up. Uh, tell me about your childhood. Now I want you to imagine that you're on like a psychiatrist's couch. Oh no. <laughs> it's, it's a comfy leather chaise, but not so comfortable that you want to fall asleep. Elijah, tell me about your childhood. You know, the last time I actually saw a psychiatrist, I was a child. So <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a leather couch though. It was like a very nice fabric one, but like very pilly. So you like rub your hand across it and... It's very rough. Mm, ew. Yeah, no, it wasn't the best. No. Anyway, um, my childhood, for the most part, was spent almost in isolation. The town that I lived in, it was a small town. Uh, the high school that I eventually went to only had, like, 400 students, I think. And, oh. like, altogether, maybe 500 wow. students, like, for the whole school, grades 7 to 12. Wow. Yeah. Like, small school. Everybody wow. knew everybody, basically. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> growing up in that small town of, like, Turner Valley, <clears throat> as a kid, I kind of lived on top of the hill. So, you'd have to go down this really big hill, and then little ways, little ways, bam, there's the town. So, like, 
when I eventually started riding a bike more, it was a lot easier. But besides that, I'd have to take like a 30 minute walk to get to town. Aww. Yeah, it wasn't the best. I was especially very lazy as a child. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my time by myself. And like when we first got uh, a Nintendo 64 like gaming system, it was super exciting because I finally had something to do instead of be bored at home. Because like my father, especially when I was younger, he, uh, he worked a really hard job. He was a trucker. Mm-hmm. He worked for CN and he would be like just everywhere. He'd wake up at like four in the morning, drive to Calgary, then drive truck. And he'd be home at like eight at night nine or ten at night wow like he would get home just as i was in bed or like just about to go to bed and then my mother she worked cleaning houses so she did that specifically because she would be able to finish the job right before school would end for me Mm -hmm. so she could uh, be home when i got there and then she also in her uh, spare time would work on leather crafts she did native american leather crafts and she did that for like eight or ten years like committed uh, wow. Going to like the local Longview marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, her business was called like the Leather Tree. So I spent a lot of time by myself because my mom was busy. My dad was always out of the house. And no siblings? Uh, I had two half brothers. Okay. But like they usually just came on weekends. And most of my memories is of me annoying them while their friends were over or of them like dislocating my arm like twice. I, I hope they hear the, cod pe- uh, the podcast to know that I still reference that every once in a while. They think it's funny because when they dislocated it, I cried my eyes out and they're freaking out because they don't want my parents to find out. So they rush me to the hospital. Doctor pops it back in place and then gives me a sucker and I stop crying immediately. And they're like, come on, why did we take you here? <laughs> like, why did you make such a big deal of this? We could have just given you a sucker at home. Because <laughs> you needed somebody to validate your pain. <coughs> Something like that. Because they weren't going to. <laughs> well, I mean, they were very worried about getting found out that they dislocated my arm twice, I think. <laughs> they were not worried about you. They were worried about getting found out. <laughs> I hope they worried about me. I think they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Probably. But yeah. So spent a lot of time in isolation. And then, like, my one next-door neighbor, uh, me and him got together great, like, for years and years, even throughout high school, we'd still hang out. And it's only been like the last probably four or five years that we've really like stopped talking a wow. whole bunch, but we're still like close friends. Yeah. We still talk to each other. Just handed him a bracelet that he can give to his girlfriend. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, did your family talk about happiness when you were growing up? Mm. I kind of come from an interesting family. Uh, my mother was a child of five in like a singer, single mother household. Mm. So like my grandma was a tough old lady that raised five kids by herself. And for them, happiness was just about being with each other and making sure that like everybody was fed. So like when we talked about happiness, it was really a lot more about being content with what you have and realizing and being happy with what you do have. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, I guess not getting too greedy and wanting more. It it was never really about, like, money in my family for happiness. Just contentment. Do you think that's influenced who you are today? Oh, 100%. I'm so poor. (laughs) I'm broke. (laughs) Are you happy? But happy. I am pretty happy. Yeah. For the most part. What fuels your happiness? Success. (laughs) So what does that mean? Um, hmm. So for me personally... I'm pretty happy in life when I'm being challenged with something, something that's hard and difficult. That's when I like 
have the most enjoyment in life is when I'm doing something that I just find physically, emotionally, mentally draining, something that's hard and challenging. Like I being on easy street is nice for a little while, but like I thrive on challenges. That's why I enjoy those hard styles of martial art. Mm -hmm. That's why I enjoy like really physical classes. That's why I enjoy the medical program that I'm in right now. Cause I both have to learn Western science and like, Eastern acupuncture methodologies. Hmm. So like basically two completely different medical systems and I have to understand both well enough that if somebody has like jaundice, I can refer them to a doctor to actually like get treated for their jaundice right. and then I can also give them an acupuncture treatment. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And like that's pretty hard. I for my exam on tomorrow, I need to have like 80 herbs or something memorized, maybe 60. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's a question because I'm too lazy to Google it. So you're going to be Fair enough. What does horny goatweed do? <laughs> I have not learned horny goatweed okay. yet, but I'm going to assume it probably has something to do with fertility. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my assumption, but I keep seeing it in the uh, in the health food store. I'm like, what is this? And I look at it and it just tells you the recommended dose, but it doesn't tell you what it does. Hmm. And I keep forgetting to look it up. And I'm just amused by its name. It's probably a plant that has spines, Kate. Probably, but that's definitely not how I interpret Spines? it. Spines? Is that what you call them? Thorns? Thorns. Yep. There <laughs> Maybe it says thorny goat weed. It definitely says Turn thorny. Turn the bottle I've around. i a picture of it. Okay. <laughs> that is interesting, though. Wow. That, like, pops up first thing on my Google search. When you look up horny, horny, it just and it was comes up with horny went goat, to goat weed. Weird. Yeah, that speaks know. a lot about how you spend your time. Uh, the actual name is Baronwort. Okay. Yin Yang Hua. Uh... I'm going to look it up quick. Get back to me in a second. All right, cool. <laughs> Horny goat weed? What does it do? Uh, erectile dysfunction. Great. No way. It is a natural remedy for erectile dysfunction. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good because it's probably a lot better for the environment than like rhino horn. So. <laughs> Wait, what? Rhino horn is also used as an aphrodisiac in uh, Chinese medicine. Oh. Can be. But there's only like 12 rhinos in the world. Well, yeah, but like there used to be a lot more. Okay, fair. <laughs> wow yeah okay. no uh in chinese medicine i think the actual like materia medica contains somewhere around eight to seven thousand different herbs and like a whole bunch of them are like animal parts like seahorse yeah. is an old uh chinese herb wow hmm. for what seahorse uh i'd have to go and look it up okay like give me a break I'm okay a student, okay not i thought i thought you had an exam tomorrow i'm working <laughs> <laughs> working on it working on it um what so okay does mm -hmm. Chinese medicine treat unhappiness or discontent? You know what? I was actually surprised to find out that there are specific acupoints uh, specifically for mental illness to do with like uh, schizophrenia, mania, depression, anxiety. Wow. Yeah, like there's actually, they're called the Sun Si Mao ghost points. There's like 13 of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're specifically to help treat they're called ghost points because, like, the old school Chinese medical version of it was ghosts are talking in your ear. Right. So, like, ghosts talking in your ear, ghosts bringing down your spirit. Right. So stuff like that. Those ghost points were to help release the spirits and get them out. Hmm. And a couple of the actual professors at my school have used the ghost points on different patients. Mm -hmm. But, like, the ghost points are some of the worst that you can possibly get. One of them's in your perineum. Like, you know that space between your butthole yep. and your, <laughs> yeah, like, right in there. And then, like, tips of the fingers and in the mouth. Cool. Yeah, but, like, right there. 
So, not not on the pad. Like thanks. right. He's pointing pretty much underneath the nail on his pointer finger. Yes. <laughs> and what is that the ghost point for? For any of these things, or is that for something specific? Uh what meridian would that be? Lung meridian. Uh lung usually has to do with chi. I haven't like studied the, the okay. Sunsi Mao ghost points perfectly yet. Okay. But all mm. of them, it kind of depends on what version of mental health stuff you got going on and what the mm. underlying cause is. So, like, if you have excess heat or excess cold or deficiency, and then from there you decide what points you want to choose. Very cool. So, like, two people that have the exact same, like, depressive disorder might have dif- uh, differentiation mm-hmm. on what it is that leads to their depression. So you'll pick different points for them, even mm. though they have the exact same disease. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Sarah, have you had acupuncture? I can't remember. No. Needling, yeah. not acupuncture. Uh, and that needling was for release of the muscles after that car accident, Yeah, right? trigger point. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. Cool. I tried acupuncture twice. I ended up very bruised both times. <laughs> nice. I wasn't a big fan. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm not discounting it. I would, I would probably go back and find a different practitioner. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, my school does, like, a really good deal if you go to the student clinic. And then, like, all of the stuff that the students do, the professor comes in right after to, like, check to make sure they're doing it right. Do you want to take a second and tell our listeners a little bit about that? Like, where they could find this information? (laughs) Okay, so the school that I attend is called the CITCM, Canadian Institute of Traditional Chinese Medicine. Uh, It's, like, near Center Street and 17th. In Uh, Calgary. Yeah, in Calgary. Uh, There's a phone number you can find. They have a website. But, like, if you look up the information, if you just give them a phone call, and then ask about the student clinic. They'll give you information and like when you can book in Great. and what times. <coughs> Sarah, do you want to go for acupuncture together? Sure. Okay, we'll do it. It's pretty good. It's especially cool because like a lot of the students too, after they hit like third or fourth year, already start to figure out what they want to specialize in. Mm-hmm. So like a couple of them, I know at least one student is specializing specifically for like uh, stroke uh, victims of stroke to help them deal with like the facial plagia and like all those things. So she's specializing in people with strokes and helping them deal with that through acupuncture. Wow, that's neat. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I was actually really surprised to find out that like there's a huge amount of things that acupuncture can actually treat and what it's set up for. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, We've got to wrap soon, but I wanted to ask, so we've addressed life philosophy Mm -hmm. we've addressed your childhood on the pretend therapist couch um (laughs) i wanted to ask now what do you do to maintain happiness or what are your happiness practices uh i've i figured out recently that probably one of the most important things to help me stay happy is physical activity Mm. like when i was in high school i actually trained about six hours a day five or six days a week right like i needed high levels of activity And like now that I've grown up and I'm now in university and I have a job and I got all these bills to pay for, if I don't keep my uh, physical amount of like working out at a certain level, I start to like fall into a really depressive state, like super easy. Mm -hmm. So like I need to work out. Preferably I need to keep learning. Like I just have a lot of fun in classes, learning new things. Favorite thing to do in my day is like go on the internet and like just Google search random facts on different things. (laughs) (coughs) Hmm. And then besides that, uh, I'd, I'd say those are probably the most important things. And then just connecting with uh, the people that I have already found in life that I really enjoy meeting. Mm-hmm. So like my girlfriend, uh, my best friends, people in the martial arts community, staying connected with them, 
keeping up with that. And then trying to also like, at the moment anyway, trying to build my own uh, martial arts dojo and trying to get that business off the ground is really kind of like a driving thing right now that makes me excited, nervous, and happy. Because so. you didn't have enough going on in your life with a job and school like, and multiple relationships. If, if I get enough students, I can quit my job, yes. which would be lovely. I like my job, but at the same time, it's pretty stressful. Yeah. What do you do? Loss prevention officer. Right. Yeah. And so talk a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit yeah, about the stress please. involved with that? So as a loss prevention officer, your job is to walk around a store, typically in plain clothes. So you just look like a regular civilian and you just walk around and you try and catch people as they're stealing. But like typically the people that want to steal are either like teenagers, members of an organized crime ring, drug addicts, drug dealers, or like any weird mangle between all of that. And like, I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're making that face. Believe me, it's, I've met some interesting people on the job. Just yesterday, I was talking to a guy. He was a loss prevention officer over in Manitoba. Okay. And it's like crime capital. Yes. World for like Canada. He made 1,500 arrests. So like 1,500 arrests in four years. Wow. And he wound up in the hospital like eight times due to knife wounds or like beatings. So martial arts is really relevant to your job. Super. Then have you have you had a knife pulled on you? I've had a needle pulled on me. I haven't had a knife oh, pulled on me oh. yet. I've also had uh, what's that like pepper spray? pepper spray? Yeah, I've had pepper spray pulled on me too, but I've never like actually been viciously attacked. If you're really good with your words and you're able to like stand up for yourself, you're usually okay. The worst I've ever had was some guy that was bigger than me. I wasn't able to take him down too easy, and it was like the first time I ever got into an actual fight. And he was just trying to run away, so I tried to hold on to him. And, like, through constantly throwing him to the ground and tripping him, I'd get back, like, on the ground to try and hold him down, and he'd try and get back up. So I got, like, dragged on the, dragged on the concrete. Whoa. And that was, like, the only time I've had any kind of injury, really, from my job. Uh, that and the time I almost died from, like, an infection. But, like... Oh, just that. Yeah. Nope. Was that <laughs> no from <idea>. the needle? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I didn't get hurt, um, specifically. We had three people trying to enter the store to assault somebody, so I had to hold them off at the door. And by pulling back three grown men, I tore a, a muscle in my shoulder a little mm, bit, ooh. which was kind of painful, but not too bad. But then, like, three days later, it became inf uh, infected with, like, uh, Staphylococcus aureus. Uh, but specifically, like, the version of it that is immune to penicillin. Oh my so God. it was a super bug? Yeah. But it's okay. I'm allergic to penicillin. So they, they figured it out real quick oh, and already gave me like the proper antibiotics to get rid of it. But yeah, I like was in the hospital for probably two weeks, got two emergency surgeries and was like bedridden for the first 10 days until they figured out it was an infection. Wow. Yeah. Holy. It was a lot of fun. I was a medical anomaly because there was no break in my skin for this, like the Yeah, I was going to say, how does that get, get in? in there? Best as they could tell, maybe I like scraped my like a hand or something on the pavement. Because hmm. like three days before that, I choked some guy out on the sidewalk because he was trying to steal. And I probably like scraped myself. Staph infection got in there. It somehow found its way into where like the blood was uh, building up from the muscle tear. Found its way there and then just festered. Hmm. And on that disgusting note. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. I could listen to these stories all day long. I have so many stories. Just a quick one from like loss prevention. We had three people enter the store. They were known as like thieves in the area. Anyways, part of an organized crime ring. They had a getaway driver in their car. 
So two guys run out with like $1,000 worth of product. As soon as he gets into the car, I do a double flying jump kick into the front windshield, completely smash it out, and walk off the top of the car as they then can't really drive away in it. So they got like a block away, abandoned the car, and I uh, recovered $1,000 worth of product. Um, Is this amazing move on video somewhere? I wish, but it really isn't. All that was left was like the car that was completely smashed out with the windshield. Wow. And I didn't even get a picture of that because the cops had already called like the tow truck to take it away and Damn. everything. Yeah. <coughs> I was disappointed too. <laughs> it's like a movie. I actually remember you telling me that story. That was about a year ago, right? Yeah. Something least, like that. Yeah. It was also after those two emergency surgeries, I then had to spend time in the office working because like you're not really allowed to like get yeah. back to what you do. And the first day off of office work, back on the live job, was that exact day that I jumped through a car windshield. <laughs> jumped into a car windshield. Didn't go through it. Just smashed it in. Just smashed into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's hardcore. It was pretty fun. And this is the benefit to tempering your body with baseball bats and sticks and iron rods is that doesn't hurt nearly as much. Well, I mean, I just kind of landed in with the heels. I'm pretty sure anybody could do it. With the right <laughs> physics behind them, yes. Sarah's laughing like, no fucking way. You just got to run at it. I don't want to run. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Elijah, before we, uh, before we wrap, we are asking all of our interviewees to give Sarah and I some homework. So this is a practice that we will do or we will try to do on a regular basis between now and when she and I record again that will hopefully increase our happiness. So... What is your happiness homework for us? Please hmm. don't be hitting ourselves with baseball bats. I will happily do that. <laughs> well, on a similar note, be happy while you suffer. Like, even if you're doing something you're not great at, like, and you're just having a really rough time of enjoying something that you're not good at, do it anyway and have fun with messing up. Find something like eat food that you don't really like. Like, find the food dish that you hate the most. Like, if it's mushrooms eat like a giant dish of or like cook 10 different meals with cooked mushrooms in them that's a good idea find a way to enjoy the things that you don't typically in life and enjoy the fact that you don't like them <laughs> i love it thank you so much okay you got it sarah what are you going to enjoy i'm gonna have to think about this okay yeah. we'll report back later because yeah, yeah really it just kind of comes down to like pain is discomfort so like learn to be comfortable with discomfort awesome Thank you so much for being on the show, Elijah. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Choose Happy Podcast is produced by us, Kate Marlowe and Sarah Kay. We're amateurs, but we're getting better at it every time. If you like us, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate and review us on iTunes. Our website is choosehappypodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at choosehappypod or send us an email at choosehappypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. <laughs>